Hello there, and welcome to The Road to Nicaea, Christ, Creed, and Controversy in the Turbulent Fourth Century, part of the Earth and Altar Podcast Network. Supplemental, writing about the good book, Athanasius's Festal Letter of 367. Every once in a while, there is a rumor so pervasive that it comes to be accepted as fact. One of those rumors that you may have heard is that at the Council of Nicaea, the bishops assembled decided which books would be in the Bible and which would not. This idea was popularized by Dan Brown in his 2003 novel, The Da Vinci Code. It has absolutely no basis in fact, which you know because, well, we've already talked about that council. We did it months ago. And if they had established the biblical canon, I would have told you already. But I know that Trust Me, I'm a Church History podcaster is not exactly an ironclad argument, so let me give you the actual rundown on this rumor. To put the matter simply, We know that the Council of Nicaea didn't establish the biblical canon because it was not in any of the 20 canon laws that the council promulgated, and it was not in the creed that came down. Those were the only documents Nicaea created? It's not in there, so they didn't do it. But Dan Brown didn't actually create this rumor. It actually goes all the way back to at least the 9th century, in a manuscript called the Synodicon Vitus. And, like all books with a cool name, people were willing to give it the benefit of the doubt, even when its arguments were suspect. Now, this manuscript was supposed to be a summary of all the church councils that had happened in the first 800 years of church history, which is a lot of councils to summarize. And in the middle of this Herculean task, the manuscript slips in a story about the council. It says that the council needed to figure out which books of the Bible were truly divine and which were not. So, they put copies of each book on a really long table, and asked God that the true ones would stay on the table while the false ones would miraculously fall through. They all turned their eyes away for a minute, and then according to legend, that is exactly what happened. They collected the books that had fallen to the floor and threw them out of the canon. Now, when a story suddenly crops up for the first time 500 years after the event it describes, it's usually a pretty safe bet that it didn't actually happen. But if you want more proof that it didn't happen, consider these couple of facts. First of all, the idea that they would have had separately bound and printed versions of every single book in the Bible is just not plausible. That's not the way books worked in antiquity. They were far too expensive and rare. People would have been putting the entire Bible into one collection. They weren't walking around with separate copies of each book. But more basically... Consider the fact that there is no reason at all the bishops would be arguing over which books of the Bible were genuine, because nobody disagreed about which books were inspired in this time. Think about it. Arius and Alexander weren't fighting over whether the book of Proverbs was part of the canon or not. They were arguing about how to interpret Proverbs 8 because they both accepted it as divinely inspired. Nobody was trying to get the Gospel of John thrown out. They were arguing about whether John 1's statement that the Word was God implied equality between the Son and the Father. One of the really fascinating things about the Nicene Controversy is this is one of the first times this happens. 
Back in the first and second centuries, when proto-Orthodox communities were fighting with types of Christianity branded today as Gnostic, they were arguing over which books counted and which didn't. You may remember that Marcion didn't actually accept any gospel except the Gospel of Luke. And so, these are not just debates over how we interpret, but debates over what we interpret. But at some point in the second century, that changes. By the time we get to the controversies over modalism that precede Nicaea, the debate over which biblical books are in the canon is pretty much settled, and there was no top-down process involved in this centralization. Basically, the churches that endured all ultimately wound up picking basically the same books in their Bible. It's hard to overstate how remarkable it is that that degree of unanimity was reached without any top-down control at all. Now, it wasn't without hiccups. We know that Hebrews took a very long time to be accepted in the West, and Revelation was looked at pretty skeptically in the East, for example. But by and large, the Bible was already in its settled form when the Nicene Controversy began. How do we know this? Well, because the one piece of evidence about the state of the canon we have is Athanasius's festal letter of 367. What is a festal letter, you ask? Well, it's a letter that's given on the occasion of a feast, the feast being Easter in this case. Athanasius had gotten pretty used to writing these kinds of letters. He actually wrote 45 in total. He kind of had to run his diocese by letter since he spent so much of his career in exile, and letters were the only form of communication he could get through to the folks back home. Now, we only have fragments of the festal letter, so we can't be entirely clear what situation Athanasius is responding to. He starts out by talking about some people who make star tables and affix the names of saints to various stars. Now, this is very bad news to Athanasius, who does not like these new books people are creating at all. But remember, this is not a practice that any of his theological opponents were engaging in. Arius was not super into star charts. Neither were the Eusebii, or Aetius, or Eunomius, or any of his Trinitarian opponents. So Athanasius isn't actually talking about any of them. What we know is that astrology was actually very popular among the general citizenry of this time. So what was probably happening in Alexandria was that there were some astrologers who realized they could cash in on the Christian market if they lined up their own star charts and horoscopes with Christian piety. Maybe a good Christian would roll their eyes at being an Aquarius sun and a Sagittarius moon. But if they were a Peter sun and a James moon with a Paul rising? If they looked at certain stars as their patron saints? Ka-ching! So in response to this, Athanasius takes time in the letter to list out the number of books in the Bible, and says that these are the only books. There are no others. So don't go adding your favorite astrologer's book to the Bible. The only books in the Bible are, and I quote from the letter here, in the Old Testament, Genesis, then Exodus, next Leviticus, after that Numbers, and then Deuteronomy. Following these, there is Joshua, the son of Nun, then Judges, then Ruth. And again, after these, the four books of Kings, the first and second being reckoned as one book, and so likewise the third and fourth as one book. Athanasius is here talking about the books we know today as first and second Samuel and first and second Kings. And again, the first and second of the Chronicles are reckoned as one book. Again, Ezra, the first and second are similarly one book. 
After these, there is the Book of Psalms, then the Proverbs, next Ecclesiastes, and the Song of Songs. Job follows, then the Prophets, the Twelve being reckoned as one book, then Isaiah, one book, then Jeremiah with Baruch, Lamentations, and the Epistle, one book, afterwards Ezekiel and Daniel. In the New Testament, the four Gospels according to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, afterwards the Acts of the Apostles and the Epistles, called Catholic, seven of James 1, of Peter 2, of John 3, and after these, one of Jude. In addition, there are 14 epistles of Paul written in this order, the first to the Romans, then two to the Corinthians, after these to the Galatians, next to the Ephesians, then to the Philippians, then to the Colossians, after these two to the Thessalonians, and that to the Hebrews, and again two to Timothy, one to Titus, and lastly that to Philemon, and besides the revelation of John. End quote. This list probably sounds a lot like the Bible you are used to reading if you are a Protestant, with the only exception being that Baruch is included and Esther excluded in the Old Testament. But if you are a Catholic or Orthodox or an Anglican, you might be wondering where books like Wisdom and Tobit fall. Well, Athanasius has an answer for that too, to wit, and I quote, But for greater exactness, I add this also, writing of necessity, that there are other books besides these not indeed included in the canon, but appointed by the fathers to be read by those who newly join us and who wished for instruction in the word of godliness. The wisdom of Solomon, and the wisdom of Sirach, and Esther, and Judith, and Tobit, and that which is called the teaching of the apostles, and the shepherd. But the former, my brethren, are included in the canon, the latter being merely read. End quote. In other words, these other books are good to read, but occupy a lower place than the top-tier canonical books. Many denominations actually have a similar practice. In my own denomination, the Episcopal Church, we say that books like Wisdom, Judith, and Tobit are good books to read, full of good examples and teaching, but we don't draw any doctrine from them. In other words, if Tobit says something about God that we can't find in any of the other biblical books, then we don't hold that belief. And that's really all there is to it. The Festal Letter of Athanasius was not an intervention in the Nicene Controversy. He wasn't mandating a list of books over a bunch of grumpy bishops who wanted different ones. He wasn't trying to keep material out of the canon. Everyone arguing about the Trinity had already agreed about the content of the canonical texts long ago, and had done so without coercion. Instead, Athanasius was trying to calm down a bunch of his people who had gotten overexcited about astrology, at least in Athanasius' opinion. In so doing, he gave us for the first time a definitive list of biblical books, and confirmed that despite all the intrigue and mystery around the canon, this was one fight that had actually been settled long before anyone ever set foot upon the road to Nicaea. This is an Earth and Altar Podcast Network production. For more podcasts and weekly articles, visit us at earthandaltermag.com.